0: Welcome to Screen People. Before we begin the episode, we like to dedicate each show to a nonprofit of the guest's choosing. This week's guest, Gary, chose Project Horizon in Lexington, Virginia, a domestic violence and sexual assault agency providing victims with counseling, shelter, and even legal advocacy. You can find them at projecthorizon.org. Now, the episode. All right. uh, Welcome to the podcast. And like I said, I'm here with our newest guest, whose name is Gary. Gary, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of in a nutshell.
1: Well, um, in a nutshell, I am from West Virginia, grew up on a farm, and currently I work as a domestic violence counselor. And along the way, I've had stops at teaching and social work and criminal justice.
0: Cosmetology school. How did that come about?
1: That came about because I graduated from high school with no plan, no idea, no preparation. And a friend of the family had a shop. He said, if you go to school, you can work in my shop because I want to get out. And I said, okay. So that's how that went. That's how that
0: happened. How long did you do it for?
1: A couple of years, but while I was doing it, I was uh, going to college part time, a couple of semesters. So, so because I realized, as I was, you know, standing there on my feet seven and eight hours a day, that my friends were approaching their senior years in college, and I started thinking, hmm, I don't know that I want to be doing this twenty years from now. So I started taking classes at night at the local community college. By the end of my first semester, I knew that hair was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life life and so not long after I made the decision to just quit that and go to college full-time and actually get a degree
0: that is a, a heck of a thing to have gone from you actually went and studied and then business. you and you have a business yeah. you have a business right you have a business in front of you but you say no I don't want this and then you actually do it like a lot of people probably yeah. have the thought I don't want this but most people aren't going to give that up.
1: I was, yeah, 20. And, um, you know, when I looked ahead, I could just see, I could see my life just kind of being stuck there in that place, in that town. And I thought, you know, I just this, this isn't what I want. I didn't know exactly what I did want, but I knew what I didn't want.
0: So what did Young Gary major in? That's, I'm very curious about that.
1: When I went to college? Well, I majored in English because I was absolutely uninterested in anything else. I had decided I would go into teaching because my limited life experience uh, didn't really teach me that I could do other things or that there were other opportunities available. So teaching just seemed to be the smart thing to go into. And again, because I wasn't any good at anything else and had no interest in anything else, I minored in library science.
0: So, we quit hair. we became a full-time student, then we became a teacher? Uh Uh-huh. For how long?
1: I taught English in West Virginia at the middle school level for three years, then I moved to Virginia. I was working at a high school in Covington as an assistant librarian. I never did like library work. I wanted to be an English teacher, a full-time English teacher, but uh, those jobs were hard to come by.
0: And somehow became a librarian in a prison. Yes, um,
1: because I had a library degree. You know, oddly enough, every job I got, I got because I had the library science minor. Nothing to do with my English degree. So that's what got me those jobs. But what I really wanted was to be an English teacher. Eventually, I figured out I didn't even like teaching, because that's what happens when you go into something, because it feels like your only option.
0: So you do that for four years, then you decide to become a case manager in a homeless shelter. And then you eventually went on to become the director of that shelter.
1: For one year. The the last year I was there, I was the director. But by then, I was really burned out because I did a lot there. And um, I was looking for something a little more stable. That's when I went into... Uh, to work for a housing agency, basically a HUD agency, running programs for the homeless. I was hired because I had three years experience of working with the homeless. And then a friend of mine was enrolled in a master's in counseling program, and he told me about it. And I thought, oh, well, yeah, that sounds interesting. But I didn't really think too seriously about it. Uh, But then I started thinking more and more about it. I figured out a way to make it work. So in August of 2010, I quit my job so I could go to school full-time. So that's what I did. The only way that it worked was that my husband happened to work for a company that was based in Massachusetts, and at that time, that was one of the few states where same sex partners could be on each other's health insurance.
0: This has nothing to do with the podcast, but I think it's absolutely a lot to do with you. Just for our listeners, Gary, how long have you been with your husband?
1: This fall uh, will be uh, 33
0: years. That is absolutely beautiful. Now we're going to stop talking about... You know, all of that. And talk about TV and movies, because that's what people are here for. So you brought up Little Shop of Horrors, which until yes. this conversation, I did not know, was originally a movie from 1960. With Jack Nicholson. Yes, with a young Jack Nicholson having a small part, right?
1: Yeah, he, he, was, the, he was the patient in the dental chair.
0: And it was a non-musical because most people are familiar with the musical, but this predates it. This is actually what created the musical. I mean, it started with this 1960 weird dark comedy.
1: Yeah, black and white, barely 90 minutes long. I remember watching it as a kid. I don't, didn't remember anything much about it. Even as an adult, I remembered watching it. I didn't know what it was because I couldn't remember a title or anything. I just remembered the image of a plant eating people. And then it would bloom with, a, with the face of the person that just ate. And that's what I carried with me. And it wasn't until the musical came out that it occurred to me what that movie was that I remembered from childhood.
0: So it's 1982. Little Shop of Horrors comes out in theaters. Were you there?
1: Uh, No, because I'm not a fan of the musical.
0: <gasps> no way. I love
1: the old original, but I don't like the musical. I don't like the stage show, even though I've seen like three productions of it, usually because friends
0: have been in it. I don't care for the movie. You don't care for Uh, even the movie, even Rick Moranis, Gary? Come on, who doesn't like Rick Moranis? Ellen Green annoyed me. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I'm glad nobody knows where I am because I would probably get hate mail, but I don't yeah, like yeah, that yeah.
0: show. Oh, oh, the hate mail we'll get for you, Gary. I know. I Ellen know. Green annoyed you. Ellen Green. Yes. This is her most famous role in her career. I'm sad for her. And she... I'm happy
1: for her simultaneously.
0: <laughs> she played it on Broadway. She did. And she played it in the movie. Yes, and I don't like it. And then, um, I'm sorry, I, I, I misspoke. I apologize. I misread my she notes. Can't. 1982 is not when the movie came out. That's when the musical came out on Broadway. 1986 is when Little Shop of Horrors came out with Rick Moranis and Ellen Green, who we have already established Gary is not a fan of. He does not subscribe to her fan club. Tell me about the Mary Tyler Moore show.
1: Well, I just remember watching that for the first time and just being struck by how different it was. It looked different. It sounded different. People talk like people. The conversation sounded very natural, and very realistic.
0: Uh, Mary Tyler Moore predates, you know, me. So I had to do research. She plays Mary Richards. She's single. She goes into a news agency and ends up becoming an associate producer. Later on, as the show goes on, she becomes a producer. And when the show ends... She's not married. She's single. The show ends with her being a single, successful woman.
1: Yeah. When she died, she was hailed as like a feminist icon, even though she didn't necessarily send out to be, but she was a pioneer. Oprah Winfrey and a lot of big name news anchors cite her as an influence for them choosing to go into journalism. Yeah, it was pretty revolutionary for the time.
0: You know, I was looking at the show, and the show dealt with issues of equal pay, premarital sex, homosexuality, infidelity, divorce, yeah. intimate marital problems.
1: There was even an episode where Mary went to jail for refusing to disclose the source.
0: The other thing that really got to me was, at some point in the show, they even dealt with addiction through her, yeah, not through yeah. a secondary character, but through her, in the lead, which I thought was just wow, amazing that this character. Again, this is the show ran from 1970 to 1977, and we are dealing with these issues.
1: And its its influence is still felt. You know, a lot of shows, in, like Thirty Rock, uh, Tina Fey said that when she was developing Thirty Rock, the Mary Tyler Moore show was her template. That's the kind of influence it had and it still has. Now we get to
0: the to the modern times. Real quick, what is your go-to when you're feeling down and you need something to pick you up? What is your go-to?
1: Okay, I have two. I kind of have three, I guess. Golden Girls is always there. Frasier, because now that I'm a counselor, I have a whole new appreciation for Frasier that I didn't have four. And I love the sophistication and the wit and the farcical elements of it. And Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek's probably my first go-to.
0: Tell me about Shits Creek.
1: I love Schitt's Creek. It's just a, it's a it's like the perfect town, you know. Um, goofy characters, but nobody is judged, nobody is looked at oddly. Everybody's just accepted however they are. It's just a happy place to go. And funny.
0: I th- I love that Shits Creek is kind of an underdog story. Not even like Okay, so the show itself is, but but the actual creation of the show and the popularity of the show as this small Canadian show that accidentally became a hit in the United States.
1: They're as surprised as anybody.
0: Yes. Oh, they, they couldn't believe it because they had already filmed portions of it, you know? And so then suddenly they like became these rock stars out of nowhere. It
1: got bigger than even they expected it was going to get. So they're surprised too, even now, now that the show's over.
0: I love that. I love that. I think it's fascinating. I love that too. Why do you like that show so much?
1: Those characters are all so different. Not different from each other, but just different from anything else that I've seen. And I'm fascinated by how those characters were created. It's real and it's believable.
0: Which is funny because the show often, especially at the beginning, is people at their most exaggerated state to an extent. At, at least the family, the Roses, are, are extreme. All of them are extreme.
1: Well, I would say as a counselor that they're all, they've all been traumatized and they're reacting to their trauma in the first season. And then they gradually calm down as this show goes on. And once you've been through the whole thing, if you look from beginning to end, you can see the whole series as a story, as a one continuous story, rather than a series of isolated episodes.
0: All right. Last question. What would you like to see next?
1: I would like to see a show about gay men of a certain age living their lives in ways that maybe people think they don't live their lives. Just like for any older person, you know, I think people have this... this, uh Well, for one thing, the gay culture is very, I feel like, very looks-obsessed, very youth-obsessed, can be. And it can be a very judgy culture if you're not young and pretty. I would like to see, you know, a show about gay men, maybe over 40, over 50, having exciting, interesting lives and dating and, you know, doing all the things that happen to other people. But just as interesting as younger gay men going to the clubs.
0: Very cool. Perfect. All right, that's it. That's the interview. This was fun. Was it fun? I hope so. I hope it. So it's fun for me.